All right. Thank you, band. Go ahead and take a seat. And I want to I want to revisit that mixer question. I like that. What do you love about your dad? Um, we didn't even get to that question. We were catching up on some other stuff. But what I liked about my dad is my, my dad was growing up and is, he's in. He's watching right now online with my mom. Hey, mom, dad. Good to see you. Happy Father's Day. Um, he's in, right? And uh, when he would come in person here, he's the one that you would hear laugh at all my little jokes. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, like he was in. He was paying attention. And, and you know, my dad was, um, he, he really valued family. I think his family growing up, you know, there were some good things, there were some hard things, and I think he, he made a decision, a conscious effort to really make family a focus. He committed to us, he was in, he took us on family trips, we had a tent trailer, he took us hiking and skiing, and, and he took us to all the California missions, because that's what kids really like to do. And, you know, he would, he would invite us, no, he, he would require us to do chores on Saturday morning together, you know? So, you know, it wasn't all like fun stuff, but he was in, he was there. And um, so I had a pretty good model and I try to do that with my kids, you know? And, and there's, a, there's another level, not just being present, but I know that with my kids, uh, their successes, their wins, their uh, good steps. Uh, I feel those. I enjoy them. Like it's, it's visceral. When, they, when they're happy, I'm happy. When they're thriving, it just makes me alive. And when they're struggling or suffering or losing or stumbling, you feel it, man. I, I feel it. Uh, it's not a conscious, oh, I should feel uh, some empathy. No, it's just there. And um, really distracted. And so he's on this little bike pumping, you know, and um, going, and he was ahead of us, and we were on bikes behind him, and I just remember he would turn his head to the right, and he would go to the right, and he'd look to the left, he'd go to the left, and we're behind him, uh, the four of us, and we're just like, oh, like, at least me and, and, and Becky were just anxious that he was going to, you know, drive into a car, you know, take a spill, but then he'd get steadied, and we'd feel good, it was just like this wild ride. That's what parenting is. Um, each good parent, every good parent, mom, dad, we feel this connectedness with our kids. It's, it's tight. It's deep. Uh, it's, uh, it's just there. And we get this from God. It, it's interesting that God has decided to disclose himself, reveal himself uh, as father. Right? That's, he's a good father. If you've ever seen or been around a good parent, a good father, that they're imaging, they're giving some likeness of God, our Father. God feels that with you and me, that connectedness. Your wins, your good steps, your, your trusting obedience, uh, those wins are His wins with you in those things. And your sorrows, your griefs, your, griefs, your, your stumbles, your failures, your, your sins, those grieve Him. He feels those. He's in this with us. And this is a connectedness we see throughout Scripture, starting with Abraham uh, and then with his people Israel. And then uh, we're going to look at a particular encounter today because we've been in Acts. We're going to see this connectedness, this close connectedness that God has with you and me in this passage. But before we dive into that, 
let's get our bearings. Let's get some context. We've been going through the book of Acts, looking at more of you, Lord. And um, at this point, when we pick it up in the story, we're about one to two years away from Jesus' death and resurrection. So Jesus came, God came close, God came in to this broken world uh, to reunite us to God. He did that through his death and resurrection. After his resurrection, he appeared to his followers, his people, his disciples, over a period of 40 days, giving them convincing proofs that he is alive, hundreds of them. And then he said, now, next stage, wait in Jerusalem until I pour out the promised Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's been promised back in Joel, in the prophets, it's going to be poured out. So they're there, about 120 of them in Jerusalem, and it happens. Jesus, the exalted uh, return to the Father, when he pours out the Spirit on his disciples, and they go out and they proclaim this message about Jesus. Same message that Jesus proclaimed. The same good news. Here it is in a nutshell, Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled, everyone. This is true today. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God, his rule and reign, his presence, has come near. So repent, turn to it, and believe the good news. Step into it, receive the message. All right, so they go out and they, they start proclaiming this. And the church is growing fast. Like it's, man, it's just expanding rapidly. Peter preaches his first message. Filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 turn to the Lord. They repent and are baptized. It's growing and it's starting to break out. Remember last week, beyond uh, just Israel, beyond Judea, and going out to Samaria. So it's growing rapidly. We also saw last week that there's opposition. There's opposition. The, there's forces, there's power structures that are threatened by this new power structure the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. It's a threat to existing power structures. And God is, has broken in and he's taking ground. And when God takes ground, when people move, are moved into his kingdom, when you and I were moved into his kingdom, transferred into the kingdom of his son, you were transferred out of an existing power structure. And a lot of these power structures don't want to let go. Uh, most power structures do not want to relinquish power, right? That's, that's how power structures work. So there's opposition. The existing religious leader, leadership, uh, the structure in Jerusalem, they put John and Peter in prison. Right? They, try to, they try to stop this thing, right? How did that work out? It didn't stop them for long. They whipped them, they beat them, didn't stop them for long. They kept going. Then the existing power structure killed Stephen. They killed him. He, yeah, he died. Did that stop it? No. After Stephen was killed, we read this. Acts, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Listen to this. On that day, Stephen was killed. A great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Ground zero of the church. <coughs> and all the apostles, uh, all except the apostles, were scattered through Judea and Samaria. They, they scattered. You're thinking, oh, this isn't good. It didn't stop. Didn't stop it, though. Didn't stop it. 
Verse 4. Those who had been scattered, they didn't go silent. They preached the message of God's kingdom. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. They went out. They preached it wherever they went. Man, this thing is unstoppable. You can oppose it. You can reject it. You can ignore it. You cannot stop it because you cannot stop God. Now, for the new bit today. This is the, the encounter that shows God's connectedness to us. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Saul is a Pharisee, all right? He was present, and he had some authority over Jesus' claims. He didn't believe that this was God's kingdom, and he opposed it fiercely, all right? Saul is still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, that power structure, and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, nearby big city, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that was a way of referring to, G to Jesus' disciples, to the church, to Jesus' people, if he found anyone belonging to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. All right, so you see he's on a mission. And this mission gets interrupted. All right, verse 3. As Saul neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. <laughs> uh, a dramatic, powerful encounter with the risen and exalted Lord. So Saul is led to Damascus, where a disciple sent by Jesus, sent by the Lord, goes to Saul and prays for him. And Saul is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's baptized, and Saul spends time with the disciples there. Let's see what he does next. Verse 20, right away, immediately, at once, he began, Saul began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Like, what's going on with this guy? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. God, even though Saul was opposing him, God called him, chose him, and sent him with this message, and he obeys. Now, after many days had gone by there in Damascus, there was a conspiracy among the Jews, the Jewish leaders, to kill him, to kill Saul. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to, to kill him, to ambush him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him 
in a basket through an opening in the wall. All right, a great escape. The former persecutor of the church is now being persecuted. The big flip. Now here's the moment we're going to focus back on. The moment of this conversation that Saul has with the risen Lord Jesus. Let's go back to verse 4. So Saul, the light, bam, he falls to the ground, and he heard a voice, the voice of Jesus, say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Do you persecute me? i got to fill in for you on your bulletin for this. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Where is Jesus when he speaks this to Saul? Where's Jesus? In heaven. Risen, exalted, in heaven, next to the Father. With thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly, with the spirits of our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who came before, who died in God before us. Jesus is in the God realm, at the right hand of the majesty of heaven, the seat of authority. So how is it possible for Saul to be persecuting Jesus? How is that possible? Who is Saul persecuting? Against whom is he speaking these murderous threats? Who is he trying to arrest? What's he trying to shut down? You and me. People in Christ, Jesus' followers, Jesus' people, those who belong to the way of Jesus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus is present in those people that Saul was persecuting. To persecute those Jesus followers is to persecute Jesus. Same today. To push away, to ignore, to reject, to speak evil against, to insult, to sin against, to mistreat anyone who is in Jesus and who has Jesus in them by the Holy Spirit is to mistreat, ignore, insult, sin against our Lord. Take it the other way. To welcome, to invite, to bless, to serve, to recognize, to do good to anyone who is in Jesus is to welcome, invite, bless, serve, do good to Jesus. That's how connected God is to you now, and you are to God. I want us to have a visual of this. It's not a concept. It's not a, you know, oh, it's a clever way of thinking. It's an ontological reality. It is an a actual thing. So here's a visual for us. And this is to, I'm going to invite everybody who is in Jesus 
You're, you belong to the way of Jesus. You belong to him. He's called you. You're a son or daughter of God. The Spirit of God is in you. If that's you, I want you just to acknowledge that and to give a visual for those who are not to stand up. I'm asking you to stand up. And this is not to put anyone else on the spot, but I want us all to know that this is real. Now look around. Okay, these are others who are in Jesus, who know they're in Jesus, who, who know the Spirit of God is in them, who have been called and chosen, who are united to him right now, who are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm right now, even though we're standing on earth. Now look at each other. Don't look at me. Look at each other. Just look around. I know it's awkward and weird. But just do it. Just play along, you know. And when you see the other person, realize that Jesus is in that person. See Jesus in that person. Again, not a clever mind trick, but because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, is actually present in that person. You are united to that person. You are, we are united to each other because we are united to God. We are part of the fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which makes us part of the fellowship of each other. This is how God is active in the world, uniting humanity to himself and to each other. The only thing uniting us here is Jesus. All right, you guys can take a seat. We're not united by our ethnicity. We're not united by our politics. We're not united by, we like to say, music. We're not united by a particular sports team, although we're all Warriors fans. We're not united by, we're united by Jesus, the Spirit of God. So let me ask you, since that is true, since it's reality, how should we treat each other? How should we treat each other here? How should we treat each other? We're going to try something new. We got a new toy today. We're going to run this. Jeff, would you mind run this? Or I can get Preston. Thanks. Just if you got anything, what, how does it impact how you are to relate to each other? How we're to relate to each other? What comes to mind? Come on, I don't get quiet. Gee. Oh, Sanas has something. Family. Oh, dude. Family. Patiently. Patiently. I can be patient with Craig because Jesus is in him. I can be patient with Jesus all day long, man. Kindly. Kindly. I'm to treat you with kindness. If I see Jesus in you, man, Jesus shows up, I'm going to be treating him really well. I'm supposed to treat you as well also. Um, with support. With support? With support, yes. Support each other. How can I help you? What do you need? We look after each other, right? Friendly. Friendly, yeah. Man, Jesus strolls in here. 
I'm going to be friendly to him. I should be friendly to everyone here. With understanding? Yeah, try to, I'll slow down enough to try to understand where you're coming from, to, to uh, be compassionate. God is compassionate toward us. We can be compassionate and empathetic to each Showing other. Showing grace. Say again? Showing grace. Be gracious. Showing grace. Kindness. Uh, grace is such a big word, right? Like, that should be our approach to each other. Come on, favors, give me some. There's five of you. Arthur's got to love one another. Let's just sum it all up. Love each other as I have loved you. As I love you. Now, love one another. Serve each other. Man, go out of our way. For Jesus came really out of his way for you and me. I can go out of my way for you. I can sacrifice a little bit for you. It's good. Thanks, boss. I love the hat, dude. Everybody, it's a nice hat. All right. Since we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, to treat each other well is to treat Jesus well. To mistreat each other is to tr mistreat Jesus. Uh, since that's true, let's look at this way that we are now called into that we are now called into, this way of Jesus. So three things here. First one, uh, we've covered a while already, but so important and really easy to forget. See and welcome Jesus' disciples, his people, the way you would see and welcome Jesus, because Jesus is in them. I should see and welcome you, brothers and sisters in Christ, the way I would see and welcome Jesus. Quickly, like, wow, excitedly. There you are. It's easy for us to get caught up in our own, you know, just thinking about ourselves, what we need, etc. Jesus is sending us outward in this. That is the way. Uh, Sanaz told me this last week. She hadn't been here for a little while. Um, and she came back, and she said something really awesome. She said, when I came back, people were so friendly and welcoming and happy to see me. And in other words, we didn't see here and be like, oh, where have you been? Right? Like in some weird way that maybe could happen some places. Yeah, good to see you. Thought, thought you were gone. No, we did it well. Nice job, guys. It's so awesome. I love it. We welcomed her. Uh, think about when you first came here. Who welcomed you? Who saw you? Who went toward you? And maybe it was nobody. Maybe we didn't do that very well. But you, hey, you get an opportunity to do that well with others. It's not the welcome team. It's us. We are the welcome team. We are the ones who are called to see and recognize that Jesus is in that person coming to welcome them as we would welcome Christ. This is the way of Jesus, who's in you 
and me and us together. He leads you and me to do that. He also, number two, he leads us in this way, to come further into, he's always drawing us further into the fellowship of Jesus. The fellowship of Jesus, which is two directions. Fellowship with Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fellowship with God, and simultaneously, fellowship with one another. See, when Jesus calls you to himself, when God calls you to himself, and you turn to him, you're not only turning to him, but you're turning to the fellowship that is already in God, the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the fellowship that God has with his children. He invites you into a family. Now, some of us, we just like God. Can't we just have fellowship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Can't we just keep it at that? Why? Why do we do that? Because if, if you stood up, remember, looking at each other, when you were looking at each other, Hopefully you were seeing, okay, yeah, Jesus is in that person. But the other thing you might be seeing is, wow, that person, you know, I know they're not, I, I, I can kind of see Jesus in there, right? Like, we're flawed. We are these imperfect, broken, being repaired vessels in whom God dwells. And sometimes it's really hard to see Christ in one another, especially if we ha we're short on sleep or we're hangry or whatever, Right? We, we're, when we're not at our best. But Jesus is still in there. So when God calls you into fellowship with himself, he calls you into a real flesh and blood, local fellowship with others who are in Jesus. And I'll tell you right up front, we will hurt each other, we will mistreat each other, because we are works in progress. And when that happens to you, don't confuse Jesus with his church. We're united, but there is a distinction. And there's no such thing as fellowship with Jesus without fellowship with his people. Doesn't exist. You can keep trying. You, you know, maybe we need to take a breather for, you know, a week, a month, but the Spirit of God in you will draw you back into the fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is the fellowship that includes you and me, brothers and sisters in Christ. Flawed, messed up, kind of quirky people. So doing fellowship with Jesus is challenging sometimes because of, you know, it involves imperfect people. Um, but here's something that's going to help us. He also, Jesus gives us a word and it's beautiful how he did this. He gives us a word through Saul, who we know better as Paul. He's a Roman citizen. He's this weird mix. He's a Roman citizen who's also was a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews, etc. All right, so we know him as Paul. And about 20 years after, no, about 30 years after he turned to the Lord and started preaching the message of Jesus, he wrote this letter to the Philippian church, a church he started about 10 years before he wrote this. And in this letter, he's telling them how to be in fellowship with each other, to hold it together, to stay unified, to work it out, to work through conflict, to not bail 
away from each other, but to, to stay in and to commit like he commits with us. So let's look at that. Philippians, this is Philippians chapter 2. We're going to pick it up at verse 3. Here's the way, brothers and sisters. Here's the way of Jesus. Do nothing, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, here's the new way, in humility, in humility, value others above yourself. View each other as higher than yourself, like a servant would. In humility, value others above yourself. Verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Not just thinking about ourselves. What do I need? What do I want? What are you? Thinking about the other person. What do they need? Being aware, looking outward. In your relationships with one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, God most high, the highest one, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be held on to at all costs. Rather, he made himself, he intentionally chose to make himself nothing, to empty himself, to lower himself by taking the very nature of a servant. God most high. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being born as a human among us. Being found in appearance as a man, as a human, in human form, he humbled himself even more. That great descent, he takes it even a notch lower. By becoming obedient, even death on a cross, the most humbling, humiliating, demeaning way to die. He went there for you and me. That's not just going out of his way for you and me. That's beyond. That's huge, loving sacrifice for you and me. So that you and I could be reconciled to God. So that you and I could come into this fellowship that we are made to be part of. The fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and his sons and daughters. He humbled himself. He lowered himself. God did for you. And then watch what God did after that. God the Father. Therefore God exalted him in this lowest, from this lowest place. God exalted him to the highest place and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess, acknowledge, testify that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the way of Jesus. Not just the way that he tells us to live, but that the way that he walked first for you and me. This is the way, brothers and sisters, for us to come further into 
fellowship with him and each other. This is how we honor and love one another, the way he loves and honors us. This is the way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, view, view one another as higher than yourself. And what's going to help you do that, what helps me do that, is remembering, oh, I can view you as higher than myself because Jesus is in you. Wow. Yes. There's Jesus. There he is. We're the temple of the living God. There he is. There you are. There you are, man. There he is. He's in each of us who are in Christ. If you're not yet in Christ, the door's open. He, come, he came and slashed the door wide open for you to come back to God. Anytime you're ready, he's waiting to welcome you in. He's knocking on the door, but you've got to let him in. So that's the last fill-in, the way of Jesus in humility, in humility, lowering ourselves, not thinking too highly of ourselves. In humility, serve one another. See, oh, they're struggling with that. Let me go help. Oh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen them for a while. I'm wondering where, they're go where they are. Checking in. Whatever it is, going out of your way for each other. Let's do that with one another. Let's stand and let's ask the Lord to help us in this. And we're going to go into our last song. Just as we do that, I'm, I'm also thinking, man, there might be somebody here in the body of Christ and the family of God that you just, you're, you're feeling some distance. There's some friction in that relationship. And Jesus is calling you to do everything that you can to try to make that right. Take a step. Take a step toward that person. Take a step toward Jesus. Take a step. Today, if you need help with that, you need prayer for that during this last song, please get prayer. Get prayer for anything this time together. Lord, we thank you for calling us into the fellowship of God, your fellowship, this eternal fellowship of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for lowering yourself, humbling yourself to make a way for us to be able to come back to you, Lord, despite our sin, our rebellion, our thinking our way is better than your way, you know. If, we're, if anyone here is still in that, Lord, we just ask that you help them get to the end of that quickly so that they will just, yeah, humbly turn back to you and embrace life and what you have for them, God. Lord, we ask for uh, help to remember, Lord, that you are in each of your sons and daughters here. We thank you for that. Lord, help us view people that we don't know where they are. Lord, help us see them as people that you're calling, you love, you've died for. Uh, people who bear your image, maybe, um, and that you want to restore, Lord. Help us welcome them as well and reach out to them, Lord. But we know, you know, it's easy to just look outward beyond us. But Lord, help us love each other well here. Help us Lean deeper into these relationships, more connected like you are with us, Lord. Help us uh, come further in. And where there's been hurts, we ask for your healing. We ask that you help us not continue to let those hurts sideline us, but help us step back in, Jesus.
uh, in your spirit. Help us repair relationships that are hurt, are strained, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for making us into this new thing. Thank you for being with us to the very end. We love you, Lord. Amen.